0: Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, presented by Tequila Embajador. We're talking overtime rules. We're talking NBA, always a great uh, topic. We're talking new additions uh, for the Raiders, uh, including uh, Jayon Brown. The former Tennessee Titan inside linebacker. Um, he was a fifth round pick in the 2017 draft. Six foot, 226 pounds, has appeared in 66 games with 39 starts, has recorded 382 tackles, 9.5 sacks, four interceptions, with one return for a touchdown, 28 passes defensed, uh, four forced fumbles, and three fumble recoveries. Ah uh, graded out uh, above sixty last year by Pro Football Focus in pass coverage, so somebody that can play the run and uh, the pass. Not a bad veteran signing, um, you know. Uh, so the Raiders continue to add players, um, including uh, a safety that played for uh, the New England Patriots. Shocker of all shocker. Um, so that is going on. What is that? Five players now that have um, that have Patriot ties.
1: I think. I don't know them. the exact number, but you say that, and I'm like, that's it
0: yeah exactly i i have the list here uh we'll get to her uh, in just a second in fact uh, our good friend greg bedard uh, from the boston sports journal uh, is joining us on the raider nation guest line to talk partly about some of this patriot pilgrimage that's heading out here west not just the coach not just the general manager not just assistant coaches but as we're starting to see a lot of players are coming out here uh with the new coaching staff and new general manager greg bedard first of all thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle how are you doing my friend good what's up well um we're talking about all these patriots that are coming out uh, west to join uh, Josh McDaniels and the coaches that he's bringing from New England here, and um, I guess not a big surprise, right? I mean, they're, they're going to be able to bring some understanding of the offense and uh, n- now on on defense as well. Uh, but no big surprise for you that uh, that this is the, the 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 road that they're that they're taking.
2: No, not at all. And I think a couple of weeks ago, Vinny, we sort of talked about it. I was like, well, you. You tell me where the Raiders are a little bit short, and I probably have a Patriots-related, um, you know, name for you. Uh, you know, Deron Harmon being the latest—not um, a surprise. I do think last time we talked, uh, we talked a little bit about the scheme and how they often like to go to three safeties, and it seems like the the Raiders, um, whether it's Morrig. Um, Abrams you know I I questioned whether they had the sort of deep free safety that you sort of need in that role and I think I we were talking about Devin McCourty at the time right um, who was of course going to be a little bit more expensive but you know sort of like the second or third tier of that is you know Daron Harmon and so um, Daron we'll, we'll see if he eventually makes the team um, I, I, he probably does just because of uh he's an incredible leader um you know really good with the media uh he was a captain here multiple years uh he got a little bit expensive at the end which is really the only reason why he wasn't here anymore and then i think if i recall correctly he went to matt patricia in detroit he did yes you know of course yeah of course the patriots ties there so um these sort of new Patriots guys like to like to get their guys in there. And I think, you know, Dron Harmon, when he was here in New England, I wouldn't say he was a crucial guy. He was a nice guy in that he would be sort of the third safety in. Uh, in passing situations, he would play the deep free safety. The Patriots have a philosophy of basically get the F back, which means we're not going to give up any big plays. And now in that, in that division now, that's something you have to be, uh, wary of and you have to be cognizant of. And I think that Duran is the type of guy um, we'll see what kind of player he is at this stage, but at least what he was in New England, he gives you that security in the back end, ability to get people lined up. I think it's it's a little bit more important for them to have a few Patriots players um, at each level of the defense as opposed to the offense because, you know, everybody's going to be learning the offense there basically from the ground up you know, with with Carr having to learn it. So uh, that some of their moves I have not been surprised about. I think I even mentioned Brandon uh, Brandon Bolden last time we talked, um, you know, as sort of a utility guy for the Raiders, and I think he'll do well there.
0: Yeah, and I, I want to stay right there. Uh, Brandon Bolden, on the offensive side of the ball, Brandon Bolden uh, running back, and then fullback Jacob Johnson, uh, both of whom, you know, played, have longtime ties to New England, longtime ties – uh, to Josh Jake or to Josh McDaniels in in Brandon Bolden's uh, case specifically, what does he bring to the table uh, here for the Raiders?
2: Yeah, he was mostly a, a special teams guy, sort of like fallback number three running back. If you uh, if you needed him, he would be the third guy. He was last year. I mean, they had a couple of young running backs. Damian Harris was the starter. Ramondre Stevenson uh, was the backup. They had Sony Michelle to start the year. Um, so Bolden was sort of like the fourth. and they dealt um, Sony Michelle once they knew that Ramondre Stevenson, the third round rookie, uh, was going to be at least decent, and he ended up being more than that. Uh, so that that security, Bolden's sort of a security blanket. He's gonna he's he's another leader type. He's gonna he's gonna help immediately on special teams. He's great to have if suddenly you're hit with injuries at running back. I, I'll tell you, Ben. Um, You know, when he he had taken the year off uh, the year prior um, with COVID, he was on the COVID opt-outs. He actually went through, um, he disclosed to us out of nowhere, I think on social media, that he had undergone uh, cancer treatments um, at one point in time with the Patriots. And when he came back, so he, he had taken a year off entering last year. When he came back and he did get an opportunity to play, we were like, Holy cow! His feet are in cement. I don't know what he's going to be able to do for them. And then suddenly, by the halfway point of the season, you know he's a, he's a he's a decent running back. I mean he does he does a good job. He catches the ball well. He does special teams. He's sort of he's a leadership guy. He sort of checks a lot of boxes uh, for the Patriots. And he's one of those guys that they can point to and, and can talk to guys in the locker room and say, "Hey, this is how we do it here."
0: Uh, they also brought in, like we talked about, uh, Jacob Johnson. What about uh, the big man, Jacob Johnson?
2: Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure it's, you get used to calling him Jacob Johnson. I'm pretty sure ah. that's at least the way I, that's how I pronounced it here the whole time. Thank
0: you for that um, knowledge.
2: Yeah, no, no problem. Uh, he was a guy who came in, he was just sort of the, uh, the international player, but it didn't take very long uh, to see when he was here, you were like, you know, I think he's the best fullback that they have. And he got a chance with, I think it was James Devlin got hurt. He got promoted, didn't play full-time, They even moved to Landon Roberts um, to fullback for a time. But Jakob, Jakob got his feet wet, got a chance to compete the next year. He sort of grabbed it. I will say I was a little underwhelmed with his play last year. Um, I, I didn't think that he took a step forward. He sort of plateaued. Uh, I was a little bit surprised that they went with him. I think, you know, sort of his play was indicative of, you know, the Patriots not having a ton of interest in bringing him back, even though I don't know how much I believe in them telling him we're not going to use the fullback anymore. Uh, We'll see if that ends up being the truth. Uh, But, you know, uh, he's a good, solid player. Again, helps on special teams, can catch the ball a little bit for a big guy. Um, You know, good, solid player. I I would like to see him... Take a step forward because at times he's played really well. Other times, you know, he's he he's struggled a bit.
0: Right. Um, we're, we're we're talking to Greg Bedard from the Boston Sports uh, Journal and talking about this roster construction that's going on here in Las Vegas. And you know, we mentioned these running backs. I didn't even mention uh, Amir Abdullah, who was also signed, and they've already got Jacob or Josh Jacobs and, and Kenyon Drake. And um, now you look at the wide receivers with Devonte Adams, Mac Hollins, Demarcus Robinson, uh, with the holdovers in um, Hunter Renfro, and um, you know the, that 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 crew. It just seems like when you look at the various position groups, uh, and Brian Edwards is in that wide receiver group as well. You look at the wide receiver and running back, and maybe this is sort of you know the the the, the general philosophy that they're bringing here. But they have all bases covered. You need somebody to catch the ball out of the backfield, you got that. You need somebody in a power situation, you got that. You need a speedy wide receiver, you got that. Ball possession, slot receiver. Is that sort of how they go about their business, and in, 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 in ensuring that whatever tool they may need for whatever partic- particular situation arises, they have that tool in the toolbox?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the Raiders offensively have everything that Josh McDaniels needs and basically is like you know, his dream scenario, um, you know, with, uh, you know, a, a big boundary receiver like Adams on the outside, Renfro inside, Waller inside, the rest of the, you know, the receivers, um, you know, whether it's Robinson and, and Edwards and, you know, Mac Collins who they bring in, you know, another big thing that the Patriots people like to do is bring in guys that they're where they were played. So there's a bunch of guys like Mac Collins who they've, who they've gone against in the AFC East and, you know, they brought in, I think, uh, somebody from the Ravens as well. Um, So they're familiar with those guys. Um, Yeah, I mean, I just think, I think, you know, what they have set up offensively, they do have a little bit of everything. You know, now with Jakob Johnson at fullback, you you know, the way Josh McDaniels is going to look at it every week, he's going to say, all right, well, what do we need? And probably – you know, the, the Raiders are probably going to want to stay balanced. They're not exactly sure what they have on defense yet. That'll probably be more of a work in progress. But they have the ability to go, you know, four or five wide if they need to, or they can go, you know, 21, 22 personnel and, and with a fullback and, you know, smash them out to death. So I think they have they have everything, and McDaniels will do that. In the course of a game, He'll he'll, he'll do different things. So I think McDaniels, And Ziegler have worked really well to give McDaniels all the tools that he needs this season.
0: Are you surprised, um, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, in terms of the big moves that they made? uh, Two lightning bolts last week that I don't think anyone necessarily, uh, in the the Chandler Jones case, I don't think anyone had Chandler on... The Raiders uh, radar, number one. Number two, yes, Devontae Adams, because of his ties with uh, Derek Carr, there were always, you know, he was always somewhere on the Raiders uh, radar, but the Packers controlled that situation, so you didn't know how feasible or realistic it was. But um, in, in in, in any case, are you surprised that these two, Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, have taken now two massive um, you know uh, uh, swings and hit these two home runs with Chandler Jones uh, and, and Devonte Adams and is that a you know change of course from maybe some of the things that they were doing in New England?
2: Uh, I yeah I mean I was I was surprised at how quickly they've been aggressive um, you know that they've chosen to be a little bit more bold than say New England Does it surprise me no. Because, you know, if you if you talk to a lot of those guys there privately or on True Serum, you know, a lot of them sit there and say, I don't know what Bill's doing or, you know, I don't know why we don't have this. I mean, there were years, I remember, you know, 2019 uh, with the Patriots, it was Tom Brady's last season and Brady was frustrated the whole year. I mean, you're looking at the roster and you're like, they have given McDaniels like nothing to work with. Like, there's nothing here. It was, I think that was the year they brought in, like, you know, Eric Decker and some other guys. And he's, you know, he's out there with these slappies and joint practices. And you're just like, what the hell? And then you look at the defense and they're like three deep. I mean, they were so deep that year that and Roberts, who's a decent inside linebacker, he didn't get, he wasn't getting any playing time. So they moved him over to fullback, you know, midway <laughs> through the year. And, uh, I think that what you're seeing is both with Ziegler and McDaniel's a little bit of built-up frustration over years of of you know the the moves that they would have done, the things that they've talked about doing, and were frustrated that Belichick never uh, would go there and never go for it. And I think that those guys, you know, probably talked a lot. If we ever get the chance to do this again, we're being bold. We're not gonna you know we're not gonna sit back and wait.
0: Well, they've certainly done just that, and maybe surprisingly so, or maybe not so surprisingly so, now that they've kind of gotten their own little thing going uh, and are, are are operating the way they've been wanting to operate. So, uh, interesting to keep track of that. Uh, moving forward, we're talking to Greg Bedard, uh, founder, editorial director of the Boston Sports Journal.com. Always brings great insight. Uh, all right, Greg, uh, there is a prominent cornerback that's still out on the market Stefan Gilmar we've talked about him when you've been on the show um, it seems like it would be a great fit um, here with the Raiders given you know his veteran uh, nature and what he knows about the defense and all of those type of things um, he's still on the open market is there still any possibility? Do you think that uh, he lands with the Raiders? And what do you think is going on right now uh, with Stephon Gilmore? Uh,
2: well, first off, I just wanted to get a, a couple words in about Chandler Jones, who was the only one who it. who is um, great guy you know, by the way. Yeah, I, it's not surprising that um, he that they went after him. Um, Patrick Graham, I'm pretty sure, was his position coach. He way was. back when when he was here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it, it, what the Raiders were sort of lacking was somebody up front with the ability to stand up, uh, which they like to do. Especially you know if they motion a tight end over to the side, then Chandler Jones is going to stand up. And sometimes you got to take care of those guys. And uh, they you know it's not exactly Crosby done it at times, but not exactly his forte. So um, he fits what they do. Gilmore. Uh, <laughs> You know, what you have to understand about Stefan Gilmore at this time is he makes purely business decisions. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, after, you know, seeing what he's done in some of the basically the contract squabbles that he's had with the Patriots over the last, um, you know, couple of years before they finally were like, all right, enough, we're, you know, we're trading you and this isn't going to work out anymore because he was telling I'm not going to play for this. you got to do something. And I think we're in the same situation here. Uh, Stephon Gilmore and his agent, who is, uh, I forget who exactly it is, but I know he's very shrewd, very good at what he does. They have a number in mind. And he's not budging until somebody meets the number. And they figure, uh, I don't know if it's now or during training camp or something like that, but at some point in time, somebody is going to meet Stephon Gilmore's number, and he is in no rush until that happens that's the way it normally goes with Stefan. he's about that business
0: i'd be fascinated to know what that number is and when you think about the raiders uh they just so happen to have about 20 million dollars coming off the books on june 2nd so um maybe that lines up uh at a later date um and the longer he stays out and the more uh maybe maybe the uh the the chances of a um you know uh, of of a pairing uh between gilmore and the raiders actually comes to fruition. We'll keep an eye on that. Greg Bedard, thanks so much. Well, for, I can tell you ahead.
2: that, you know, he's Stephon Gilmore, is free, and he even tweeted this and I think deleted it when he was on the Patriots. He he tweeted out like a list of the, the top cornerback contracts and, you know, basically complained how far down he was. Uh, he's going to look at that list and he's going to have an idea of the ballpark that he should be in. And, you know, he, right now he's at you know he was at 13 million which is sort of middle of the pack i bet you he wants to be at least there if not more in the 15 uh, 15 million per year range and i'm sure it's going to irk him that jc jackson is at 165 he probably thinks he's twice the player so i wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the day there are there's some sort of way to get him to that mark in uh, incentives, even if the base is a lot lower.
0: Well, if that doesn't happen uh, here in Las Vegas, how comfortable would you be with uh, Rocky Asin, Anthony Everett, uh, uh, obviously Trayvon Mullen coming back from uh, from, from you know injury, uh, Cravon LeBlanc, and Darius Phillips as your core cornerbacks? Um,
2: it's not ideal. I mean, you would I, I, look. I'll say this. You know, Rock Yusin is a guy that the Patriots played last year. So I'm sure that they, you know, with the Colts. So I'm sure, you know, they, they have a pretty in-depth scouting report on him. Averett is a guy in Baltimore who, um, they saw plenty of times. Um, you know, uh, you, you mentioned LeBlanc. He's a guy who started with the Patriots as I think an undrafted free agent. Um, and so they, and I think he was brought back at one point last year. So, they know him. Uh, you would like to have somebody with a little bit more just to keep your options open on defense as well as you have them on offense. You would like to have some sort of matchup piece man to man if need be, especially in that division with what's going on there. Uh, Gilmore is the type of guy that
0: could give you that, but uh, right now the Raiders don't have it and you would like, to, you would like to have it. Yeah, uh, I agree on that point. Uh, Greg Bedard, thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. Truly appreciate it. Uh, take care of yourself, and uh, not sure I'll see you next week in Florida at the owners' meetings, but if I do, I'll come by and say what's up. Thank you, man. Sounds good. See you, bud. You too. Uh, Greg Bedard from the Boston Sports Journal uh, shedding some light on all things Raiders, some of which uh, ties some of which ties in uh, with the New England Patriots, and well, maybe we'll see Stephon Gilmore uh, at some point. Um, it it kind of makes a lot of sense that he's going to wait a little bit, as he should be patient, have your number, and and don't budge from it. And maybe at some point, when some more money comes off the books uh, for the Raiders, maybe that's a uh, a match that's uh, ultimately made at some point down the road. We'll see. You are in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, Brought to you by Tequila Take- and Embajador Raider Nation Radio, nine twenty a.m. on a Thursday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. A couple of new Raider players on the roster. Uh, Jayon Brown uh, was signed, a uh, former Tennessee Titan inside a linebacker. uh, Can can defend the pass. Has shown that he's got a nose for the football. Um, so, uh, he comes in at inside linebacker to compete for a job. Uh, and then also earlier today, Daron Harmon, the, uh, safety can play both safety positions, understands the New England Patriots or the, uh, defense that Patrick Graham, uh, is, is bringing, uh, with him to Las Vegas. So another veteran with some familiarity with what's going on here, uh, on the defensive side of the ball. So, um. Uh, you know, it, it, no big surprise again, kind of like last year, Gus Bradley, um, went out and got some players that were familiar with his system. That's exactly what, uh, Josh McDaniels is doing on the offensive side of the ball. And then Patrick Graham on the defensive side of the ball, uh, we're going to go out to the Raider nation guest line and welcome in my good friend, uh, rich Ornberger, who, um, is, uh, a former NFL player played, um, you know, with the new England Patriots. So kind of knows what's going on. Um, uh, from that perspective, uh, also, uh, does great radio work, uh, as well in the San Diego uh, area. Uh, Rich, how are you doing, my friend?
3: Really good. How are you doing tonight, Vinny?
0: I'm doing very good. And um, I wanted to bring you on because I wanted you to make sense, Rich, of all the craziness that's happening in the NFL right now. Every time we turn around, some big move is happening, some players getting traded. Um, It's just craziness right now. And I wanted to ask you first and foremost – We're seeing all these teams now trade for veteran players, established veteran star players. The Rams have been doing it for a little while in Los Angeles, and I'm wondering if people are trying to take a page out of that book because if you look at it, I think eight teams, Rich, have traded out of the first round. There's eight teams that don't have first-round draft picks because, and most of them have traded out to go get star players or or established players. Are we seeing a new trend in how – um, teams are going about their roster building.
3: Yeah, I do think that there's been a little bit more of a, uh, well, let's let's first start here. It's a copycat league. Yes. So as soon as any front office, or frankly, any offensive or defensive system has any sort of success, all of a sudden you're going to see this spread like wildfire throughout the league. Um, and by wildfire, I mean, even if it's, for example, twenty five percent of teams trading out of the first round. That's a huge percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see what it compares to years past, but it's it's very interesting how teams are looking at draft capital now. Whereas before you looked at it basically like a futures play. Most teams are looking at more like a now play. How can we get better right now with this current capital? Unless need and the job that he and Sean McVeigh have done have really convinced, I'm sure, a lot of front offices, general managers, and owners, frankly, across the league, that that is a, a compatible uh, philosophy for them. And And I think what it does, it destigmatizes it. Like, you know, hey, you're going to guess wrong sometimes. You know, not all of these trades are going to work out. Sometimes you're going to swing for the fences and you're going to land on your butt in the dirt. But if you give a general manager the sort of agency that less need has been given to take some big swings and, and miss sometimes, uh, he's going to connect. And if he connects a couple times in a row, it's magic. Because the Jalen Ramsey trade, that really worked out for them. Obviously, the Von Miller trade midseason worked out for them. Uh, trading for Matthew Stafford, one of the biggest trades they made, worked out for them, and that netted them a Super Bowl. So I do think, to your point, this may start a trend in the NFL, and it may be an annual uh, um, explosion of trades when the off-season hits.
0: We're talking to Rich Ornberger, former, uh, well, pride of Penn State uh, University, first of all. Uh, Patriots, Cardinals, Chargers <laughs> in the NFL, uh, host uh, uh, over at Extra uh, 1360 in San Diego and Fox Sports uh, Radio uh, nationally as well, and he de- definitely does uh, San Diego State football um, in addition to all of that. Rich, though, isn't it a... Timing and window situation because I think it it would be easy to say oh just trade the picks for established players when in fact the I think the foundation first has to be built the traditional way or usually the traditional way through the draft and development which is what the Rams did And, 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 and then you get to a point where what makes more sense you know, playing the longer game with the first-round pick or the second-round pick, or is there somebody that we can use that first-round pick for to go help us at a specific need, like right now, to get us to another level? And I think, I guess my question is, Are some t- could some teams run the risk of thinking a little bit too highly of themselves or uh, thinking a little bit too highly of the window that they're in and sacrificing something in the process of trying to get something that may not really help them the way they think it's going to help them in terms of getting closer to a Super
3: Bowl? Oh, no, you, you really laid it all out perfectly there. You know what? I, because you did such a good job, I'll just make a comparison to put in the easiest possible terms to understand. Like, you know, the northeast of this country gets a lot of snow, but – you know, you also get summers and, and those summers are about two or three months and the heat can be pretty oppressive. So a lot of houses in the Northeast, New York, New England area, they got pools in their backyard. Well, I mean, are you even to start digging your pool in the dead of winter when there's two feet of snow on the ground? Well, no, you know, that's the wrong timing. You know, so what you may want to do instead is save up your money, wait for that summer window. And, yeah, maybe you're going to miss the summer of having fun in the pool, but you're going to have the the cash flow. You're going to have the weather that helps. The the project's going to be a lot shorter of a build if you do it at the appropriate time of year. You know, comparing it back to building a football team, yeah, sometimes you're anxious, and you may say, well, well, we got to do this now because if we don't, well, when our window opens, we won't be any good. No, 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 no. Sometimes it's patience you need. Now, there are times, though, where you can miss a window, where you could say, hey, look, you know, we got a better quarterback draft coming up next year. We got a good team around us right now. Let's hold off. Let's not make the, the draft draftable investment for the right now veteran quarterback. Let's maybe see what comes out of draft next year. But then all of a sudden you start losing players in free agency and they're not trusting the process because you've had back-to-back bad seasons. So you have to have a good feel for the locker room. You have to have great and open communication with your stars so you can retain them in free agency. And if you don't, well, then you got to get into win-now mode in a hurry because there's there's only so many of these windows that open up during the tenure of a general manager. Typically, those tenures don't last very long in this league. You know the the NFL stands for National Football League, but it also stands for not for long. you got to win-now. Otherwise, you're probably not going to have a chance to win later.
0: No doubt about it. And by the way, uh, as somebody that uh, is originally from uh, Bay Shore, Long Island, uh, <laughs> when we talk about pools on the back on the East Coast, I don't know. Maybe maybe you lived in a different neighborhood, but they were up the the above ground pools. By the way, in New York, which <laughs> and if you've ever been in a summer in New York or in the Northeast hot and muggy man sometimes just falling into that pool for like five minutes was just heavenly uh, at that point so those are the kind of pools that i grew up um uh you know uh, being a being a part of we didn't have the money to go digging uh for for that pool uh so those
3: were those were the friend's house you went over and hung out at but but that reprieve you're talking about like you know falling back into the water and be like ah this is (laughs) like trust me that's what it feels like for these nfl teams like the Rams, who benefited from bringing in Matthew Stafford. Because as soon – look, you're going to spend money to dig that pool, but as soon as it shows up, you know that the summers, they're not going to be that hot anymore. And you also know that you're going to be able to get a lot of people to come to your pool party. That's That's true, too. so much easier to sign some of these free agents with a real quarterback (laughs) established. Like Tom Brady comes back, and all of a sudden every free agent – Wants to re-sign with the Bucks. Otherwise, they would have gone elsewhere to chase money instead of a championship.
0: Yeah, it's funny how that works out. And uh, so, as we are talking about philosophies and windows and being bold and being aggressive, when to do it and when not to, it, to do it, uh, here in the AFC West, Rich... It seems like everybody's doing it now. Um, You look at the Chargers going to get Khalil Mack. You look at uh, the Denver Broncos going to get Russell Wilson. You look at the Las Vegas Raiders. They trade for Devontae Adams. They also make a big, huge investment in Chandler Jones. Um, Are you seeing the windows that the Broncos, Chargers, and Raiders are seeing? And are they acting aggressively,
3: prudently, or haphazardly? I think it's prudent. I think it's prudent because if you you think about – Denver what has been the narrative for the past geez maybe half a decade now yeah you know that defense is elite it might even be a championship defense but shucks they just can't get it right at quarterback so what do they do they go out in free agency and they make their defense better by bringing in Randy Gregory and if he turns in any kind of season like he did for the Cowboys last year uh, they're going to be very very happy with that acquisition and they trade for Russell Wilson finally, finally back on track at the most important position in all sports. And then you look at the Chargers. You say, okay, geez, oh, man, this team is elite at quarterback. Justin Herbert looks like he could potentially be on track to be an all-pro quarterback every year. I don't want to speak too soon, but could he be in the Hall of Fame one year? He better win a championship, but holy cow, he's looking good. But that defense, they are just dreadful stopping the run and on third down. So what do they do? They get an excellent situational pass rusher like Khalil Mack, who can also stop the run at the line of scrimmage, and they strengthen the back end with J.C. Jackson. The Raiders, the Raiders, you say, golly, what a mess this team was. They lost complete control of leadership with the issue with Gruden. They lost their top receiver in Henry Ruggs with an uh, uh, unfortunate off-the-field event. So what do they do? They go and they get one of the most brilliant offensive minds in the NFL who's taking a second shot at being a head coach and says and admits he did some things wrong he wants to fix this time around. Oh, and they trade for Devontae Adams. So I see the window, and I know everybody else does. You know, I I, I think it's right timing. I think it's the right circumstance. I even think that they did a nice job, all three of those teams I mentioned, of bringing in the correct talent to address needs. Now they just got to go out and play football, and that's not that's not the easy part. That's the hard part.
0: Absolutely, and you know when we talk about three teams that have taken pretty big steps forward, we're going to find out how big uh, when it gets out on the grass in September. But on paper, the Raiders, the Broncos, and the Chargers have definitely uh, pushed it forward uh, for each organization. On the other hand, yesterday uh, we see a uh, Kansas City Chiefs team that. I I don't think there's any way to better explain it than saying they took a step backwards, uh, Rich. I don't know if you agree or not, but, you know, when you think about uh, Tyreek Hill and the whole package that he was and what he meant um, individually and collectively to that offense, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, the whole operation – it's going to be difficult to replace that. Now, they may redo it. They're probably going to have to and figure it out a different way. I'm sure Andy Reid is already cooking up ideas on how to do that. But there's no doubt that that was a severe loss for them. Um, and to me, they're the one team in the, in the division that may have taken a step back. How big of a step back do you think they may have taken?
3: I, look, I mean, they are shored up. quarterback seemingly for the for the next 10 years right um but I do agree with you when you look at the overall picture are the Chiefs a better team on the other side of this offseason so far the answer is absolutely not the answer is absolutely not I I think the Chiefs are going to have to draft extremely well for them to have a season that looks anything like it looked last season now again these games still have to be played um, they could get fortunate, you know, and this happens where it's a down year in the division due to injuries to their opponents or what have you. But, I mean, every other team in the division leveled up and you kind of leveled off in terms of free agency acquisitions and trades. So, um, I look, they better turn some of that draft capital they got from, from the Tyreek deal from Miami into real, you know, can-do right now players that can help. This offense, which all of a sudden is not limited, but they've lost that who you're going to double threat, right? It used to be Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. you got to commit two defenders to one of them. There are only so many defenders you can have on the field at the same time. So who are you going to double? Like who do you consider the biggest threat? Is it 10 or is it 87? And so losing Tyreek Hill in this trade, you lose that threat. So either, A, McCole Hardman has to finally step up into a role where he becomes the guy. Juju Smith-Schuster turns into the guy, which I don't... Look, physically, he's not as gifted as Tyreek Hill, and he's never had, I mean, across the board, the sort of seasons that Tyreek Hill have had. But maybe working with Patrick Mahomes will change things. They've got to find somebody electric in this draft to replace some of that production, because uh, Tyreek Hill is a Ring of Honor player, at Arrowhead, whenever he decides to retire, he's obviously a huge part and piece of that Super Bowl-winning uh, franchise now. Uh, it's, it's, it's a tremendous blow. So, yeah, while the, while the Denver Broncos, the L.A. Chargers, and the Las Vegas were better, to your point, I definitely think the Chiefs regressed some, at very least on paper if not on the field as well. Taking
0: it outside the AFC West, uh, if the Chiefs have taken a step back uh, like we think that
3: they have, uh, who benefits most outside of that division? You look at the Bills, and, I mean, if we want to just talk about that playoff showdown where it went down the wire and into overtime, I mean, the Bills got better this offseason. Uh, you know, how much better? I don't know. But Vaughn Miller looked exceptional in the second half with the Rams and then into the postseason, and they spent a lot of money on Vaughn. It's only really what amounts to being a two year deal, so it looks like a bigger contract than it actually is. But but the Bills are determined to get themselves to the top of their division again in the AFC East and and ready themselves for what waits ahead, which they know is most likely going to be Patrick Mahomes or Derek Carr with all of his new weapons on offense, or Justin Herbert, you know, or Joe Burrow, who they've now added the Cincinnati Bengals three different offensive linemen in free agency to shore up the main necessity this offseason to protect Joe B better in Cincy. So yeah, I, I think if you're gonna if you're gonna look around the conference and say who benefits the most from the Chiefs taking a step back, well, it's arguably the Chiefs' biggest rival in the AFC right now, and that's Josh Allen and the Bills.
0: Man, I'll tell you what. Uh that was a gauntlet that you just named right there. Like I'm going, "Man, that yeah, they're good. Oh, man, the Bengals, the Bills like <laughs> and you know what? We're not even we 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 didn't mention the Browns who who knows yep. what Deshaun Watson's going to bring to that table? I mean, it could be significant. The Baltimore Ravens get Lamar Jackson back healthy, they're always going to be formidable. And I got to ask you God. this before we let you out. The Miami Dolphins, all of a sudden, that changes Tyreek Hill going there uh, with Waddle across the the line, you know, uh, on the other side, and, and what they've done on the offensive line, the speed that they have, so, the, bringing back basically Flores' defense, and a lot of his assistant coaches are there. I think they're going to play the same system. Are we, you know, should we keep an eye on the Miami Dolphins after the move that they made yesterday and, and you know, bringing the, the, the big offensive lineman too, Armstrong?
3: Oh, that's right. Yeah, and a guard. Yeah, they yes. got a guard and a tackle. Well, and I say a tackle. You know, Tyron Armstead is one of the best. He's elite. Um, he'll do a nice job for them. And then, like you said, uh, bringing in Tyreek Hill. They already have Jalen Waddle. Who, if you haven't seen enough of them, you're going to see a lot of them this season with Mike McDaniel's in this offense. And Mike Gesicki. They brought in Chase Edmonds in free agency. They brought in Raheem Mostert, yep. uh, who's been hurt but is a beast of a player. You could do those two-back and, and, frankly, three-back backfields with Tyreek and Chase Edmonds and Mostert all aligned in the backfield. It's a m- matchup up nightmare. I mean, and Mike McDaniels is cre- uh, McDaniel is creative, uh, creative enough to use all of these talents that he has. I really think he proved that during his time with the 49ers. Now, did he call plays on game days? No. No, he didn't. Um, so he's going to have to get used to that role. Has he ever head coached? No. No, he's never done that either. So he's going to have to get used to that role. But if he can put together an offense like we saw last year from the San Francisco 49ers who had an underwhelming quarterback, lead them all the way to an NFC championship game, look out. Because I think Tua, all Tua needs to work with these pieces in place is time. He hasn't been well protected since he left Alabama. We saw the results at Alabama. This is a guy who earned his learner's permit driving Ferraris. Those receivers at Alabama were great. So I think if he gets some time in the pocket, he could be a special quarterback at the next level. I'm not going to say he's going to be elite, but he could be solid enough to lead this team into the postseason if they can shore things up around him. You know the only downside I see, Rich? Yeah, what's that?
0: They don't kick off next week. I'm already fired up just listening to uh, you break it all down. That it's not that it, we don't have a game on Sunday. Dang it! Um, that's the only downside I see. But it's been exciting. It's been fun. It's been exhilarating uh, this past week uh, in the NFL. They haven't even played a game, and they're stealing all the headlines for all the right reasons. Rich, thanks for coming in uh, the huddle and making sense of it all uh, and getting us all fired up. I'm ready to go uh, play a game right now myself. So I uh, appreciate it, brother. Thank you very much. <laughs>
3: You're ready. I'm not. I'm retired.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy it. Enjoy it, Rich. Thank you so much, though.
3: You got it, Vinny. Talk to you soon.
0: You got it. Uh, That's Rich Orenberger, the former, uh, pride of Penn State University, Patriots, Cardinals, and Chargers offensive lineman, uh, and current host over at XTRA 1360 in San Diego, also hosts nationally on Fox Sports Radio. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Thursday. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bunsen-Yar. Our thanks again to Rich Ornberger um, for uh, bringing the heat, as he always does. Damani brings up a good point about Tua. You know, at, at, at Alabama, when he was able to just kind of sit back there in the pocket with some time and play with elite wide receivers, he was fantastic, right? He won, Did he win the Heisman Trophy? He won the yes, Heisman, he did. Right? Okay. If, if you could replicate that in the NFL, there's really no reason why he can't be just as good. as you. If you protect him, which they haven't been able to do, and now he's got the kind of weaponry speed that he had at Alabama, Why he should be able to just put the ball where it needs to be and then let those guys do what they do.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then, as Rich mentioned, Armstead, bringing yeah. him over from New Orleans, where they are putting all the pieces around him. And I also think also Raheem Mostert, Got him in, one of the fastest running backs in the league. Also, Alec Ingolds, they're going to basically doing this. They're going to try to replicate the same success that San Francisco was able to have. Because with Jimmy G, no one thinks Jimmy G is elite, but Jimmy G didn't lose games. He didn't
0: need to be elite.
1: Exactly, but they had the weapons around him. Yes.
0: I, here's the thing, um, and this is what drives me nuts because people take take uh, guys like Jimmy G and maybe Tua will be kind of a similar uh, uh, study case. I think they take those kind of guys for granted. Like, oh, well, he's not winning games for you, but he's also not losing games for you. And there's quarterbacks that will lose games for you. and But if you put the right talent around them, they're comfortable enough in who they are An understanding of what their skill set is, that they will just do what they need to do rather than try to do something that they can't do, which puts you in a lot of trouble sometimes.
1: Also, and I know that no one in the Dolphins camp is going to say this yet, but this year for Tua, like this could be his last year. Because if he doesn't succeed, they are perfectly set up for, hey, high-priced quarterback or free agent. Hey, Miami, we have all the pieces here for you. Who might that be? Who's coming up in that regard? I don't know. There's there some people. Kyler Murray, a little unhappy. Ooh. Lamar Jackson still doesn't have oh. a new deal with Bolts. I don't know. Starting rumors.
0: Demond Cotton. I'm just Starting rumors. But I will say this: I don't know exactly what Teddy Bridgewater said, but he caused a little bit of a in Miami when they asked him what your role is going to be, and it kind of made it sound like. I'm here to compete for a starting job. Like, he's not there to hold anybody's hand or be that veteran guy that's going to be your sounding board. It, it felt like listening to Teddy, and I didn't get the whole clip, but it sounds like whatever conversation that he's had with the head coach, he feels like he's going to be able to go in there and take somebody's job. Now, I don't know. Like, that would be – if you're the Miami Dolphins, would that be a disappointment if he comes and takes to his job? Or are you – do you feel good enough about Teddy Bridgewater that he's, you know, you're you're,
1: oh, that's <laughs> you're, the, that's
0: you're, 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 you're figuring out the nice way to say this. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, that's the thing where it's like, hey, if Tua can't get the job done, what are you gonna do? Because you're basically not the same player, but you're not bringing anything different to the table, Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, because one of the things with Tua doesn't have the deep, you know, doesn't have the deep arm. Hasn't been able to connect on the deep ball. Right, he's just been throwing short, intermediate routes. Well, Teddy Bridgewater, what are you doing different?
0: Yeah, yeah, he's the guy that basically the right-handed version. Yes, he plays. uh, He plays the safe game. A conservative quarterback. He plays the safe game. He's the golfer that you know. uh, I'll I'll get it there in you know four, uh, but I'm not going to try to get the. I'm not. I'm definitely not going to try to get it in two. You know, uh, so, yeah, and there's there's merit to that. Uh, but, yeah, I think that, that w- I want to see Tua. I love Teddy. I I truly love Teddy. And uh, I hope he makes every penny that he's ever going to make uh, in his life. It was really, really um, – it just it was so bad for him when he suffered those knee injuries that year. It was in training camp on a non-contact drill, and it changed the trajectory of his career. But I I, I like Tua, and I want to see what he's capable of doing um, with a, a, a th- this kind of, of of weaponry around him but like you said Damon, I'm not saying this is it for him but like for Miami in Miami this might be like you got to show it to us now man because there's no excuses I'm also not...
1: I just got a text real quick from my guy Aaron and he says they also have two first so maybe they can move up next two year two first for... this
0: year or next year oh uh, just draft
1: draft picks um still
0: yeah that was from uh yeah the remember they traded uh, Tunsil to the yes. uh, t- <laughs> So it was like, like hey, they can maybe they can get Stroud or
1: Bryce in next year's draft, but that's a win now team. It is, it, and yeah, and the, and you know, you
0: look at that division. Yes, it's the Buffalo Bills division, but after that, they could beat the Patriots. They can obviously beat the Jets. So. Uh, another team in the AFC to keep an eye on. I want to say thanks to Rich Ornberger. I want to say thanks to Greg Bedard, uh, two of our good friends that joined us in the huddle today. I want to say thanks to Devon Cotton. Uh, truly appreciate everything that you bring to the table. Thank you to the listeners. Thank you, obviously, uh, to the callers. Uh, appreciate it. We're going to be back at it tomorrow at the Treasure Island Hotel. The Golden Circle Sportsbook from 4 to 6. Come join me over at the uh, Golden Circle. Watch some college basketball NCAA tournament. It's always a fun time. Great food, great drinks, free parking at the Treasure Island Hotel. We'll see you tomorrow, 4 to 6, in the huddle, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM.